When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. You're listening to Luke's English Podcast. For more information, visit teachatluke.co.uk. Hello, welcome to Luke's English Podcast. It's that time again. It's time for another episode. It's time for me to turn on all of the equipment here that I have in the space pod, um, high above the streets of, of Paris at this moment in time. Time to turn on all the equipment to record another episode of this four-time award-winning podcast. Um, I don't like to go on about it too much. I say that I don't like to. Maybe I do like to go on about it a lot. Maybe. I love to let you know that it's an award-winning show. You already know, though, because I've said it like about probably a billion times in the past. This is episode, I believe this is episode 260. It should be. If everything goes according to plan, this will be episode 260. And uh, the sun is shining here on a Tuesday, a late Tuesday afternoon. Uh, Not a late Tuesday. I mean, it's in the late afternoon. I don't know what a late Tuesday would be. Because Tuesday, as far as I know always arrives on time. What would happen if suddenly Tuesday arrived late? If um, you woke up in the morning expecting it to be Tuesday and it's Wednesday and you think, what, what, wait a minute, what happened to Tuesday? And then you switch on the news and they're saying, uh, Tuesday uh, this week has been delayed due to uh, a strike at the, the day factory. Uh, the, the people who produce the Tuesday have decided that they are going on strike in order to protest against poor working conditions. Maybe that's what would happen, and then Tuesday would end up being late. Would that be a good or a bad thing? I don't know. It would be better if Monday was late, wouldn't it? Anyway, it's 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 not late Tuesday. I'm saying it's, it's uh, late afternoon on a Tuesday. Um, so the sun is shining here. There, uh, you know, I can see out of my windows here in, in this room, which I am calling the space pod or sky pod just for fun, okay? Remember that? Fun? Yes. Um, so there's a bit of cloud, but the sun is managing to get through the cloud here, and uh, it's nice and bright, which is always a pleasant experience, isn't it, whenever the sun is shining? Um, you probably come from a part of the world where the sun just incessantly shines. You're probably from one of those countries where the weather is just constantly fantastic, um, or maybe not. Maybe you're in a place where the weather is like some kind of constant um, difficulty in your life, just a thing which you would always trying to deal with. Maybe you're in a place where it's very cold and there's loads of snow that you have to try and uh, combat. Maybe you've got like a special car which deals with snow in very very special way. You might have chains or spikes on your wheels, on your tires which is kind of like a James Bond um, thing, really. It's like you have to have gadgets, James Bond-style gadgets, in order to deal with the, the snow or, or the ice. Maybe you're in one of those places. Maybe you're, maybe you're in the southern hemisphere and it's nice and hot and warm. Well, up here in the northern hemisphere, in, uh, in North, let's say northern Europe, uh, Paris, I mean, it's kind of nor- the northern end of Europe, isn't it? Um, and uh, the weather's not too different here in Paris um, than to uh, how it is in London. Uh, we get pretty much the same weather. Uh, it tends to be pretty uh, kind of cold and grey and wet um, at this time of year. But today, you get the sense that spring is, is just around the corner. Spring is nearly here, and that's a nice positive feeling, isn't it? Yes. So here we are at the beginning of another episode of the podcast, and um, this one is, yeah, 260. Again, I haven't decided what the title of this episode is yet. Um, I just... Uh, the, it's the usual story. I just... Um, uh, what? I just didn't have that much time. So I've planned out a few things for the episode, but I don't know what it's going to be called yet. Um, in terms of what we're going to talk about, I say we, what I'm going to talk about in this episode. Um, let's see. Well, first of all, 
um, I'm going to talk about some of the poems which were sent uh, to Luke's English podcast. Poems which uh, were left as comments under episode number 258. Um, if you remember, I sort of came up with a, a poem to express my gratitude for winning the Macmillan Award of 2014. Uh, I wrote a kind of hastily assembled poem. And uh, I also suggested that my listeners could leave their own poems. And many of you did. And so I'd like to just uh, read some of those poems out on the podcast. So I'll be doing that. Then I'm going to talk about films because you know that uh, I like to talk about films on Luke's English podcast. Every now and then we have something called Luke's Film Club, LFC, not Liverpool Football Club, um, but Luke's Film Club or Luke's Classic Movie Moments. Um, and uh, this time on Luke's Film Club, we will be talking about the film Kingsman. Um, is that the full title of the film? I'm sure it's uh, it's called Kingsman, Kingsman: The Secret Service, uh, which I recently saw in the cinema. Um, and so I'll be talking about that. And uh, that will probably be it. That's probably going to be enough. And if there is time at the end, at the back end of this podcast, then I might talk about some other things. Uh, and, I, and I might even sing a song. It depends on if there's on whether or not there is time. Now, some of you might think, oh, great, a song. I like it when Luke sings. Some of you might be thinking, oh, really, another song? Oh, don't, don't do that to us again, please, Luke. Well, um... Uh, I'm going to do that right at the end of the episode. So if you, you know, if you're up for that, you can stick around. Um, right. So, so then, so, uh, poems, poems. Now I imagine, I'm assuming that you listened to episode 258. And so you heard my poems. Um, but just in case you didn't, I'm going to read it to you again. Okay. Now, uh, when I wrote this, uh, I didn't have much time. I'm not making excuses for the crappiness of the poem, all right? I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to read it to you. And it goes like this. I won the award. It's thanks to y'all. I hope you're not bored by me talking about the award. All in all, it's great to have you on board. You're all from abroad and you felt inclined to take the time to go online and vote in kind for the podcast that's mine. It makes me feel fine like the sun that shines. Thank you to you for doing what you did. I hope that you consider... I hope you consider that you're the real winner. And then it kind of broke down. And I had another bit that went, and voting, thank you for you for, thank you to you for voting for who you felt was more true. I listened to you when sitting on the loo is a sentence that you might use to describe a side of your life that involves listening to me while you do a pee. Because you see, your time is quality. I mean, you can see that you have to multitask. And that's as far as I got. I couldn't rhyme anything with multitask. Um, I certainly didn't have the time to think of something that rhymed with multitask. Um, and I got a number of, uh, a, a number of comments, uh, many of which contained poems by Lepsters, Plepsters, uh, Fleppers, or whatever you want to call yourselves. Lepsters, um, uh, Leopards, um, Leprechauns, maybe. Um, and uh, let me read out some of the com uh, comments, some of the, the uh, poems. Um, so congratulations, congratulations, congratulations. Thank you. Uh, thank you very much. Congratulations. Okay, here's one from Chandra. But uh, Chandra's poem, although beautiful, I didn't see really the, the relationship between this poem and uh, the award win and the podcast. But nevertheless, I'm going to read this poem out. It's a little bit dark, though. But here it is. Chandra's poem is entitled Afterlife, and it's quite deep and meaningful. Here it is. Afterlife by Chandra Fauzi. When the last day is coming, it's the last chance for breathing. The angel of death comes using his wings. Take the real nightmare for our living. His scare face looks at your eye. Take his sharp sword to cut your life. You cannot go, and you will die. Your soul will lie down underground, sleep in the darkness alone. Yes, just alone. There is no friend. Just will be the pain. The pain that you never see again. Uh-huh. The pain that you never gain. When your fire when fire burns your body till your brain. Prepare yourself for death, the afterlife before your last breath. This is not a joke or tale. Afterlife is real to end your life deal. 
<clears throat> Thanks, Chandra. Um, I have to say, I'm a little bit, uh, <laughs> I'm a little bit uncomfortable now. Uh, that's slightly odd. I mean, it's a, uh, a quite a dark poem, Chandra. You, you're not. Uh, leave me a comment, Chandra, in order to explain what you meant with that comment, because I'm a bit concerned. This stuff about death coming to cut my life, and I'm not going to breathe, and there'll be just pain. Uh. Uh, this is not a joke. The afterlife is real. Okay. Okay, let's move on to the next one. Uh, this one's from Olga, um, and Olga's poem goes like this. Luke is a winner. His blog is the best. If you're a beginner, in English, then rest. Enjoy his podcast and forget all your stress. Just listen, and you will success. Okay, I did say that. That's fantastic, Olga. Thank you. Let me just hit the microphone again. Thank you. Um, fantastic work. Uh, I guess that there at the end, you're kind of breaking the rules of grammar in order to make the uh, in order to make the rhyme work because you've uh, rhymed stress with success. You will su- obviously it's you will succeed, but she's breaking the rules. Forget all your stress. Just listen, and you will succeed. Uh, listen, and you will success. Oh, yeah, breaking the rules. It's poetic license. That's what we call that. Poetic license is when you kind of break the rules of language in order to, uh, you know, make the poem work. And we call that poetic license. Um, uh, let's see others. We had a hardcore fan from the US saying, congratulations on winning British English rules. Well, thanks, hardcore fan from the US. It's nice of you to say that. Um, I guess that... Uh, y- you, uh, there aren't many of you in the US who agree that British English rules, but it seems that British English is kind of like a, uh, like quite a cool uh, little niche thing that some Americans are into. Some Americans really love British English and the British accent. If you are a listener from the USA and you're not a learner of English, you're, let's say, uh, a speaker of American English and you listen to Luke's English podcast, let me know because um, I think that's quite interesting. Uh, I like the idea that I'm speaking to uh, Americans over there across the pond. Uh, let's see, what else did we have? Um, Silky, that's S-Y-L-K-E, wrote, Congratulations, you great teacher. The LEP is a fantastic feature. You are the best blog winner. Your followers will never get thinner. We are happy to have you online. Sure, you'll win again next time. Thank you very much. That was lovely. Here's another one. Okay, and Amber has taken it upon herself to find a rhyme with multitask. And I think she's done a pretty good job. Here it is. You can multitask when you don't wear a mask. Got a question? Just ask. Now it's time again to bask in your moment of glory. We heard that old story three times in a row. Now again? Oh, no. I mean, no, it isn't boring. Just a bit predictable, usual, logical, inevitable, unquestionable. They should have earlier admitted. Who... Uh, who has been unbeatable before the competition started? LEP's the best and spare us all. The waiting for the results. So predictable. <laughs> so bask in your moment of glory. Go on. Tap yourself on the back again and again. Your army of lepsters might say we won, but you, dear teacher, tell her the truth. Who the man? Uh, thanks a lot. I'm the, I guess I'm the man, Amber. And I wrote back and I said, I'm the man, you the man. So, in fact, you the man, Amber, because you wrote a brilliant poem. Even though you're not a man, you're actually a girl. But who the man is a sort of, I don't know, colloquialism, a fixed expression as a way of saying you're great. You the man! It's kind of American English colloquial slang, meaning you're great. You're the man. You the man. I'm the man. You the man. Uh, anyway, um, let's... Uh, I got one uh, comment here from Saul. I think that's how I say your name. S-A-U-L-E. Saul. Saul. Sauly. And uh, Saul says, Hello, Luke. My congratulations on your lucky win. I'm really glad. I want to find Lepsters in Almaty, Kazakhstan. Luke, do you mind if I ask them to contact me with uh, via your website? So, do I have any listeners in Almaty, Kazakhstan? If you're in Almaty, Kazakhstan, if you're a Lepster, if you're one of our Kazakh Lepsters, or at least, you know, anyone, you don't have to be from Kazakhstan, if you're in Almaty in Kazakhstan, then Saul, I think that's how to say your name, uh, would like to get in touch with you 
So what are you going to do? You can, um, I suppose, you can go to teacherluke.co.uk. These are comments from episode 258. Go to episode 258, find Saul's comment and reply to it. And then you can maybe have a little meeting. Uh, Some Lepsters in Kazakhstan can get together, have a few beers and, you know, let the good times roll. This one is from Daniel. Here's a poem from Daniel, and it goes like this. Greetings from France to Luke, whose episodes are better than books. It's actually books. Luke and books, they don't really rhyme, but it doesn't matter. Let me start again. Greetings from France to Luke, whose episodes are better than books. I've been listening to them for years and talked about it to my peers. Life's been better, I must say. Luke's episodes are simply great. When he uploads, I am glad. Without his podcasts... I am sad. My English has got better too. I even listen to them in the loo. Listen to them all the time. Your language will get really fine. If you still haven't, you should check. I guarantee you won't be back. uh, You can help him if you like. Make him want to speak to Mike. Speak into the mic. Small donations can be sent. Let him know how much he helped. Don't forget to share it too. That's the least that you can do. Thank you, Daniel. Lovely stuff. Uh, here's another one from Constantine, and Constantine's poem goes like this. Please give me, Mr. Thompson, your attention for a moment. I'm going to write a poem right here in this comment. It won't be long, it won't be smart. I think I'd better finish now this intro part. I hope it's not too late, and I congratulate for getting the award for you know what. I'm glad you won, because you're the one who helps us to learn, asking nothing in return. I hope that you continue... I'm putting my trust in you. Be healthy and be happy. Yours truly, a loyal leper. You're welcome, Constantine. Lovely poems here, you must agree. Um, And let us now see what uh, we have to read. Okay, I'm no good at... uh, What's the word? I'm no good at improvising poems. Anyway, Sabine Keller has written this one, and it goes like this. A rhyme on multitask... Or orange was what you've asked for, but I've never been a poet, so that I quit to search before I start, and rather give you from my heart some congratulations for that great award. Thank you, Sabine. That's very sweet of you. I had others. There were more. There were other poems. Maybe, um, maybe the other ones are on the main page because sometimes when people comment on uh, the website, they are they comment on the main page, like the home page. The one that says hello and welcome at the beginning. Um, do pay attention to where you're commenting. I would say that if you've got specific comments about a specific episode... Let me start that sentence again. Uh, if you've got specific comments... I don't know why sometimes I can't think and speak at the same time. Anyway, if you've got specific comments about specific episodes, I suggest you visit the page for that episode and leave your comment there. Otherwise, if you leave your comments on the main page it might not make much sense. You see what I mean? Uh, Specific comments for specific... (laughs) Okay. It's all right, Luke. Just breathe. Just don't don't forget to breathe. Breathing is important. You need oxygen in order to be able to live, and you need to be able to live in order to be able to speak, and you need to be able to speak in order to be able to communicate properly on the podcast. Okay, we're back again. Uh... So I'm looking at the main page, looking for more poems. I can't find it. I know that there there were more poems, but anyway, I think that'll do for the moment. Thank you so much for leaving your poems. They were brilliant, and uh, I think that was really cool. I'm really glad that uh, many of you uh, wrote your poems on the on the on the uh, on the page. Yes, right. So moving on. That was that was the bit about poems. Moving on. I'm now going to talk about the uh, the film Kingsman. Uh, It's called Kingsman Secret Service. Kingsman, the Secret Service. All right. Kingsman, the Secret Service. Uh, Film review. Okay. Um, Now, a while ago, probably about, I think it was just over a week ago, just before I saw this film, I got uh, a message on Facebook from uh, a former student of mine called Dong Sik, who's from South Korea. I taught Dong Sik 
a few times, I think, in London at the London School of English. He was one of my students and uh, good student, good guy, clever bloke, right? One of those smart students. I think he, you know, he deserved he deserved to improve in his English because he had a good attitude. All right, Dong Sik, I know you're listening. Uh, how are you doing? I see on Facebook that you've been travelling around a lot, visiting lots of places. In fact, I believe you were in Kazakhstan recently. Hmm. Uh, anyway, Dong Sik wrote me this message and he said, Luke, how are you? I'm fine, Dong Sik. I'm very well. As you know, I'm sitting here and recording a podcast and the sun is shining. It seems to be raining on the other side of Paris, as I can see through my window. But here, it's all right. So everything's okay, thanks. Um, and he said, so it's so abrupt, but may I ask a favour of you? Um, someday in your podcast, could you explain British culture in the film Kingsman, The Secret Service? Um, or just tell uh, the audience about your thoughts on the film, uh, if you don't mind. For example, the accent, the clothes, the social class, Colin Firth, or whatever related to the UK in the film. The movie really brings me back um, to the UK. It's so impressive to me. I don't push you. I kindly ask you. So I hope that I could listen to those things in your podcast someday. Well, Dong Sik, it's kind of um, a, a, a happy coincidence, really, that uh, you sent me that message because I think pretty much the same day my girlfriend sent me a, a text saying, do you fancy going to see this film on Friday evening? And it was the, it was the Kingsman, uh, The Secret Service. It was that film. And, uh, and I was curious about it anyway, because I'd seen the trailer. Um, I'd seen the trailer for it a couple of times, and it looked pretty interesting. Um, I knew that there was some buzz about the film on the internet. I'd read a couple of things on, online somewhere. And and I wanted to see it. Also, it's a, a film directed by what's his name, Matthew Vaughan, who also did um, he did a film called Kick Ass, uh, which I enjoyed. I would say I'm not completely sure. <laughs> I thought it was um, a really bold piece of work. Kick Ass. It's a sort of new kind of superhero movie, uh, extremely violent and and quite provocative. Um, I found that to be an interesting film. Um, and so I was curious about Kingsman, the Secret Service. Um, and um, so, yeah, we went to see it on Friday. And it's quite a good, it's quite a happy coincidence, Dong Sik, that you asked me about it. So let me now talk about Kingsman, the Secret Service. Um, do you know about this film, ladies and gentlemen? Have you heard about it? Have you seen it? Have, are you aware of the existence of this movie? Um, you might be. It might have a different name where you're from. Basically, this is a kind of new um, spy movie. It's a new kind of James Bond film. It's not James Bond. It's a different franchise, but it's a similar kind of thing. It's that genre. It's the British spy movie or British Secret Service movie. Um, who directed it? It's directed by Matthew Vaughan. Um, who is in it? It stars Colin Firth, um, who you know already from things like The King's Speech and uh, Pride and Prejudice and some other stuff. Uh, he's in um, loads of things. He's in, I think he's in Love Actually, isn't he? And he's also in uh, uh, Bridget Jones's Diary and all kinds of other things. The King's Speech may be the, the one that he's best known for these days. Uh, so he's in it. Michael Caine is in it as well. Uh, and Samuel L. Jackson plays the bad guy in this film. Um, there are other people. Mark Strong um, is also a, another member of the Secret Service. Mark Strong is a great British actor who you see in lots of films these days, including Imitation Game. He's, he's in that film as well. He also plays a member of the Secret Service in that film. Great British actor. It's always good to, to see Mark Strong in, in any film. Um, so uh, Colin Firth, uh, Michael Caine, Samuel L. Jackson, Mark Strong, and a, uh, a young uh, actor who we haven't really seen um, before... Uh, his name is um, Taron Egerton, who plays the main character in the film. Um, so that's just some of the actors that you can see in this in this movie. So good cast. I mean, we like Colin Firth, don't we? And we like Samuel L. Jackson and, and uh, Michael Caine. Uh, oh, yes, we do. We love seeing these people in, in movies. They're always entertaining. So that was an attractive prospect to see these actors who, who I like watching. Um, what's the plot of this film? Hmm. Well, I 
Um, when watching it, I mean, to be honest, whenever I'm watching a film, there are times when I struggle to understand the plot, often because I'm thinking about other things, I'm distracted by other aspects of the film, like I get drawn into the visual aesthetic and I end up thinking about that and sometimes I lose the plot. Um, so as far as I understand, here's the plot. Now, I should say again, spoiler alert, as you know, this means that uh, I might be spoiling some parts of the storyline, but I will try and be careful, I'll try not to give away too much. Um, so there may be a couple of spoilers, but I think that if you listen to this review, um, it shouldn't spoil your enjoyment of the film too much if you haven't already seen it. So the plot is basically that um, Colin Firth, uh, I think his name's Harry Hart in this film. I think his name's Harry Hart. Colin Firth is a sort of the leader of this special branch of the UK Secret Service, which is known as Kingsman. Uh, the Secret Service, like a special kind of ultra uh, well-trained elite uh, member, uh, elite Secret Service, okay? Even more elite than MI6 or MI5, we imagine. Um, I think this whole thing is based on a series of comic books. Anyway, uh, so uh, uh, the Kingsman elite uh, group of um, special agents that work for the UK government. And Colin Firth is the sort of leader of this group. Um he works with um, Michael Caine. In fact, Michael Caine, I think, is probably the, the the chief, and that Colin Firth is like one of the the, the primary members of this group. Um, and he is out to try and recruit new members of Kingsman. In fact, looking for one person who will be the best of the best. And um, he's recruited people from most of the young recruits come from like upper class an upper-class background. They all seem to be uh, members of public schools. They're all posh and high-class people, members of the establishment, you know, probably connected by uh, family connections to, you know, the establishment and stuff like that. They're all posh, upper-class people. But there's one uh, new recruit uh, who's entered into the training programme who's been selected by Colin Firth from um, a kind of council estate, a lower-class situation. And... um, this uh, this kid, I guess he must be about 20 years old or something, uh, his, his nickname is Eggsy, and uh, he's your typical sort of um, London youth, um, not really, not employed, he's um, um, sort of alienated from society because of his low social class, um, he comes from a rough family background, a broken home, um, and um, uh, he, he lives on a council estate. It looks like the White City estate in West London, a sort of fairly typical, grim, uh, rough and sometimes violent council estate. And so he doesn't have much money. He's probably involved in petty crime. Basically, his life isn't going in the right direction. There's a bit of backstory about this guy, Eggsy, and the backstory is that his father previously was a member of Kingsman. In fact, his father worked for the Secret Service um, and he worked with Colin Firth. In fact, he saved Colin Firth's life on one operation that they were involved in. He jumped on a hand grenade to protect Colin Firth and he died. So Colin Firth actually um, has some sort of debt to pay um, uh, Eggsy's father. And And he actually takes a responsibility for Eggsy, coming to visit him when he's a little child, giving him a special code which he can use to contact him in the future. Um, and so because the because Eggsy's mum has lost her husband, um, somehow, uh, her you know, uh, she has lost money and she ends up living in this low-class uh, situation and she's got a boyfriend who's abusive and Eggsy is obviously very angry about the way that uh, uh, his life has gone so so wrong and the fact that he's living in this crappy council estate. His mum is with this rough guy who doesn't treat her very well and uh, he's being pushed around by gang members and it's, it's, it's not looking good. And in a moment of desperation, after having been arrested for um, stealing a car, um, he calls this number, this special code, in order to contact 
Colin Firth, who he remembers as a child. And he calls him up and Colin Firth and him meet. And Colin Firth decides that he's going to try and uh, train this young guy to become a, uh, a Secret Service member, a member of this special team called Kingsman. And so we we follow the training process uh, with uh, this young guy um, sort of uh, competing against the other trainees, all of whom are from a different background. They're from a privileged upper class background. So it's quite interesting to see the conflict, the, the, um, the, the rivalry between him and some of the other members of the team um, as there's a big class difference between the two. But he's rough and ready and he's from the streets and so on. They're all privileged and, and, and so they don't get on with each other. There's a girl in the team who is also posh, but she seems to be quite charmed by Eggsy's kind of rough and ready um, uh, attitude and everything. Um, so there's interesting sort of uh, interplay between him and the other members of the team and this posh girl and stuff like that. Um, then uh, there's the bad guy character played by Samuel L. Jackson. And he's a sort of, I don't know, he's like a kind of Rupert Murdoch type of guy. A guy who uh, owns a huge multimedia empire. And he's decided, this is the bit that I wasn't completely sure about. I didn't really understand it. But I think that he decides to, um, for some reason, he's going to try and kill a whole bunch of the, the, the population. Um, loads of people in the population, he's going to kill them. He's got like this hor- horrible megalomaniac, me- megalomaniac, uh, what's the adjective for megalomaniac? M- megalomaniacal uh, plan, which is to uh, give everybody free SIM cards. So everyone's going to have a free SIM card for their phone. Um, and yet he's done something. He's used the SIM card technology to create some kind of mind control like uh, radio wave so that when he presses a certain button everyone becomes a psychopathic killer and they all try and kill each other and it's a way for him to get rid of certain uh, parts of the population like the ones who he doesn't like for whatever political reason he has I wasn't I didn't really get it to be honest I think that he just like there's a scene where he targets uh, all these kind of fundamentalist Christians in a church in America and he tests out his SIM card technology on them. He presses a button. They all decide to kill each other. I didn't really understand it. And I found it to be a little bit, a bit over violent and a bit weird and nasty and cruel and uh, brutal. Anyway, he's got this plan to sort of take over the world with his special uh, evil SIM card technology. Um, and the Kingsmen are going to try and stop him, okay? Uh, so it's, you know, old-fashioned James Bond stuff. Bad guy with uh, some evil plan to take over the world uh, and do very nasty things using some sort of evil technology. Just your, your standard James Bond plot, really. Um, and so we see Eggsy as he, as he tries to uh, go through the very, very tough and rigorous training process in order to become a Kingsman. And ultimately, he gets involved in uh, fighting against this bad guy. And the bad guy, Samuel L. Jackson, he's also managed to infiltrate society. And um, he's, he's managed to uh, like uh, influence certain key members in British society and in, in the international community. For example, prime ministers of different countries, uh, various important political leaders. He's managed to kidnap them and he's implanted some kind of microchip in their, in their neck, which he's using to control their minds. Okay, I'm not sure about the science behind this, but let's not think about that too much. Um, I don't think the movie really expects us to take it too seriously. Uh, the idea is that he's controlling the minds of various politicians, which is allowing him to uh, gain more and more power and influence. OK, um, and it seems that, you know, the more we the more we get involved in the story, the more we realize how Samuel L. Jackson has uh, managed to um, like uh, influence and insert microchips into the necks of quite a lot of people. And uh, there's a, there are a few twists and surprises uh, when we find out who he is under his control and um, to what extent the Kingsmen have to try and, you know, save the world. And uh, that's pretty much it. So, you know, usual 
spy espionage action movie stuff that's that's the plot uh and it's full of action set pieces and lots of drama and very colorful moments and different characters there are sort of uh, uh characters that are fairly stereotypical british characters like you have these uh the posh gentleman colin firth plays a old-fashioned gentleman um uh spy who dresses very well but he's also equipped with all kinds of different fighting techniques he he can fight and he's he uses like all this kind of kung fu and stuff um and he's got all these gadgets like different types of weapon and defense mechanisms he carries an umbrella which is also a gun and it's also bulletproof and all this all these gadgets and stuff you know all the stuff that we love from the james bond films it's all in there ridiculous gadgets all over the place um so what did i think of it well, hmm, there's kind of good and bad, the good and the bad. Um, maybe I can just go through the good and the bad things now. Uh, in terms of the good things, I found it to be fast and furious, okay? It's never boring. It's exciting all the time. It's, it's, it's not slow. Recently on a podcast, I talked about the film Foxcatcher, which was really interesting drama, but frankly too too slow. Well, I can't complain that this film is too slow. It's really snappy it's never boring very colorful very um action-packed and visually it's really quite arresting quite captivating visually it's got a very bold visual style um with you know these images of like you know uh, uh classic british images on both both ends of the social spectrum you've got like images of um like a uh, very posh gentleman in suits and that whole world of the secret service in their um in their wooden panelled offices in central london and that kind of thing and the british army and and all of the training procedures in the british army and also we get all of the the images of uh, the lower class culture the council estates the rough hooligans uh like violence between uh, hooligans and uh, bits of humor uh we see the inside of pubs and we see the inside of like a, a, a working class house and you know that those sorts of images which are quite interesting to see on on the, the big screen um so visually it's great never boring full of action and and stuff um uh, there's quite a lot of humor in there too which is enjoyable um obviously we enjoy watching these great actors who i've already mentioned um gripping moments of action and some genuinely shocking and stunning moments i mean the scene in the church that i mentioned earlier um is really quite uh overwhelming i, I i'm not going to explain it to you except to say that there's a a moment of a, a big fight that takes place in a church and it's it's surprising it's unexpected um it's incredibly violent um it's quite questionable from a sort of ethical point of view you think to yourself is this okay i'm not sure i really agree with what's happening in this situation um so it's shocking and it's provocative which is kind of in a way that's good because it you know it's it has an impact certainly not boring you could never uh, criticize the film for being boring no way um so um it's pretty funny and it's pretty entertaining okay now uh, i didn't completely enjoy it because i couldn't quite um i couldn't quite validate or agree with everything in it i found the film to be really quite laddish now what do i mean by laddish well a lad is another word for a man uh, a young man is a lad and young men in england or lads broadly in in terms of a generalization young lads in english they tend to have a certain set of tastes and you see it in certain kinds of magazines that they read um, and it's usually sex and violence, misogyny, you know, slightly borderline sexist stuff and violence. And it's pretty basic. Um, and um, I mean, I don't really I've never really gone in for that sort of laddish culture, to be honest. I find it to be a bit brash, a bit unsophisticated. I'm not saying I'm really sophisticated, but I find laddish culture to be a little bit rude, a bit crude, a bit sexist. Um, and a little bit sort of politically incorrect for me so i find that that stuff is a little bit distasteful um it's also too violent i think and did i say too violent now I, me 
I'm okay with violence in films usually. You know I like the zombie films and horror movies and that kind of thing. I'm I'm not really uh, against violence. Um, but I, this one made me feel a little bit uncomfortable. It seemed to be a bit over the top, especially that scene in the church. Um, but maybe, maybe I'm overreacting. Maybe I'm getting old. I don't know. But... Um, there was a lot of cartoon violence, which the film seemed to enjoy a little bit too much. Um, like there's a similar scene in Kill Bill, you know, the Quentin Tarantino film with Uma Thurman, Kill Bill, volume one. There's a scene where she kills like about, I don't know, it must be nearly 100 guys in a in a big fight. And there's lots of severed body parts, lots of heads and arms and legs being chopped off and stuff like that. It's, it, I mean... That's the point. It's stylized violence. But sometimes I find it goes a little bit too far when it's all about violence and not so much about character and story. I don't mind a bit of violence when there's some emotional, emotionally engaging aspects to it too. But I found some of the violence in this film was not really emo- emotionally engaging, not really uh, just for the plot, but more just to enjoy the violence for its own sake uh, so i found it went a little bit over the top at times um and the film sort of has its cake and eats it too the film has its cake and eats it too that's an expression um you, people say you can't have your cake and eat it too or you're trying to have your cake and eat it too and that means when you that means that you can't hmm Okay, you can't have your cake and eat it too. Okay, so the film, for me, on one hand, is parodying the conventions of old British spy movies like James Bond. It's making fun of those things and playing with them, like the idea of the ridiculous gadgets and uh, um, and the, the casual sexism and the casual violence of James Bond movies. It seems to be making fun of that. But at the same time, it's also glorifying it and enjoying it and um you know not really criticizing it in fact um it, uh in fact sort of glorifying it really i would say so in that sense it's having its cake and it's eating it too it's making fun of these things but it's also sort of celebrating these things too do you know what i mean hmm you can't have your cake and eat it too that expression to have your cake and eat it too means that you can't have both you can only have one um, okay, and one example of this could be, um, uh, okay, like with a job. Now, you might find that when you are unemployed, you have loads of time, okay, but you've got no money. When you have a job, uh, you have money, but you just don't have any time. So you can't have both the money and the time. You can't have your cake and eat it too. Um, I think this really comes from the idea that you can't have a cake, meaning own a cake, and you can't also eat that cake because if you eat it, then you don't have it. <laughs> See what I mean? It's a bit of a ridiculous phrase, but it is quite commonly used. You can't have both. You can only have one. Um, I'm just looking on the internet for uh, things about this. Um, the proverb literally means you cannot both possess your cake and eat it. Um, so meaning, literal meaning, um, hmm, um, you can't eat your cake and have it too. Uh, all right, all right. I'm looking online, but I'm not getting a satisfactory definition. I hope you get the idea. Let me just give you one conclusive uh, example of this. Um, okay, let's see. This is from a website called todayifoundout.com. Uh, the idiom, you can't have your cake and eat it too, deliciously illustrates the concept of making trade-offs and realising you can't have something if you have another thing. The phrase is often used when referring to compromises and it alludes to making a choice between two options that could never be reconciled. In other words, the two options that are mutually exclusive. Okay, for example, you can't live in England and have all the benefits of England, you know, like our pubs and stuff, and also have great sunshine. You can't expect to, to have, like, you know, uh, I might say to a learner of English who's, who's come to London uh, because they know that they get the best English language teaching in London and they want to hear British English and they want to live in London. And yet they also complain about the weather. Well, what did you expect? You know, you can't live in London and have all the benefits that that brings and also have 
beautiful blue skies like you might have in in other parts of the world. So you can't have your cake and eat it too. It's just one or the other. All right, there we go. So I feel like this movie um, is to an extent having its cake and eating it too. Because in one sense, it's parodying all the cliches of spy films, but at the same time, it's celebrating those things as well. And it's kind of bringing this genre back to a point before it was postmodern and deconstructed. Um, Let me explain that. Uh, Spy movies. Let's talk about James Bond movies in particular. Back in the 60s and the 70s and to an extent the 80s as well, James Bond films were quite sexist. You know, they were quite sexist and and fairly old fashioned. Um, And it wasn't really until the late 80s, early 90s that to an extent James Bond as a character was sort of redefined you know and they did certain things they they mentioned the fact that he was sexist in the in 1994 film Goldeneye um, Judy Dench's character his first female boss she said that he was a dinosaur meaning that his values were old fashioned and then of course we have the Daniel Craig Bond who is presented as a fallible character one who is not perfect someone who can bleed he might die um, he also falls in love. He sh- it shows that he's uh, he can be weak at times uh, and that uh, women are not necessarily just uh, there for him to play around with and discard, but in fact he gets brokenhearted by a woman. He's quite vulnerable to the powers of women and so on. So the, the, the more recent James Bond films seem to have deconstructed this old uh, version of James Bond that we used to know, and they've changed the genre. Now, you could argue that Skyfall sort of rebuilt it again, uh, but certainly this film seems to be celebrating those old values, uh, those simple values that we used to have where we knew who James Bond was. We knew that, um, you know, he always got the girl and that basically women were there as sex objects uh, who needed to be saved by James Bond. Um, so it does seem to have many of the same values as old James Bond films from the 1970s. It's stylish, it's very British, um, it's, but it also has a misogynistic and slightly right-wing attitude, it seems. Misogynistic, that means a bit sexist, basically, against women. Uh, the ending, for example, is like something out of a Roger Moore film. The ending of this film, Kingsman, um, it, it, it a cert, there's a certain sort of joke at the end which involves it, it's, it's a certain kind of misogynistic joke basically he kind of saves the world and he gets the girl at the end um, now I'm not going to go into it in too much detail because I don't want to spoil it uh, except to say it's let's face it it's a sexist joke at the end now you might think oh sexism's alright it's just a bit of fun yeah to an extent yes but I can't help feeling a little bit disappointed that it just goes back to those slightly prehistoric attitudes of the 1970s before i mean you know i'm not like a militant feminist or anything and it is possible for a man to be a feminist but i'm not a militant feminist i don't you know i'm not going to go on about it too much but i found it a little bit disappointing and a bit sexist and a bit old-fashioned at the end um uh uh, so uh, perhaps I'm being old-fashioned, but I found it to be a confirmation of some sexist stereotypes at the end. Uh, it was just a, a mistake that they made at the end of the film. I think it was misjudged, the final part of the, the movie. And if you see it, you'll know what I'm talking about. It's the bit with the, the, the uh, Swedish princess. Uh, and um, the rest of the film wasn't too sexist. It just left, it just left me with a bad taste in my mouth, so to speak. Um, All right. So on balance, okay, I enjoyed it, but I can't say that I'm a I'm a a great fan, but I certainly enjoyed it. And I think that um, all in all, it will do well internationally. I expect the audience in Paris where I watched the film, they seem to enjoy it a lot. Um, And I think it will probably be a hit with young blokes around the world who kind of get off on the values of old James Bond movies, uh, but like to see it done in a fairly fresh and inventive new way with some of the aspects of Jason Bourne movies and a bit of manga thrown in there. Um, So comic book violence, a bit of casual sexism and some humour. Now, Dong Sik asked me about um, some of the... um, some of the British aspects to this film. And um, 
I mean, it's set in Britain, and the characters, many of the characters are British. Um, let's see. Okay, so in terms of images, um, I talked a bit about the class system already in this episode, I think. Oh my goodness, 48 minutes we've been going. Uh, class system. It's important to understand that um, whenever you talk about British culture, you end up talking about the class system. Traditionally, there was a very um, clear class structure with an upper class, a middle class, and a lower class or working class. These days, it's harder to define our class system because really since Margaret Thatcher came along and changed a lot of things by sort of liberalising the economy and and uh, making various social changes, um, it's harder to say if there's a clear uh, class system like there used to be. Um, but this film seems to play upon a lot of the uh, old images of class. So we... You could say that there are still remnants of the class system, but it's not quite the same as it used to be. It's not as clear-cut as it used to be. Um, you might say that the, there's a much, much bigger middle class now with many different uh, levels within it. Um, and in fact, I think the BBC did a survey on class not long ago, and they determined that there are, in fact, seven different social groups now. Uh, rather than there being one at the top, one in the middle and one at the bottom. Instead, there are just seven different groups and they op occupy different places. It's not quite as linear as it used to be. Anyway, uh, the class is, basically the class system is more complex these days than it was. Uh, but this film does play on some uh, traditional images of upper class and lower class. Let's have a look at some of those images, all right? So in terms of the posh upper class stuff, then we see images of... Tailors on Savile Row. A tailor is someone who makes clothing or makes suits. And Savile Row is a street in central London in Mayfair, which is famous for tailors. And if you go to Savile Row, you'll see all these very posh tailors with these beautifully tailored suits in the windows. And it's very nice and very classy and so on. So we get lots of images of the tailors in Savile Row. Um, obviously, there's the gentleman uh, the image of the gentleman and, and the uh, the concept of the gentleman is quite important to this film. Um, the, the values and principles of the gentleman are also the values and principles of uh, the kingsman, um, and that's pushed a lot in the film. Um, so also we, we see this clothing and the style and all of the other accessories that we associate with a gentleman. For example, the umbrella. You know, that umbrella with the cane handle, that classic British image, which in fact you don't see very much in real life, but uh, it's, you, know, you often see it in the movies and stuff. Uh, the umbrellas, uh, pinstripe suits, uh, wood-panelled offices and gentlemen's clubs in Mayfair, glasses of whiskey, old-school ties. An old-school tie. Well, um, a tie, of course, is, you know, the thing you wrap around your neck uh, when you're wearing a suit. Old-school ties tend to be striped. You have diagonal stripes, um, and uh, that's very typical. An old-school tie, um, well... Hmm. Public schools, like those very exclusive schools that only the rich people go to, usually, they all have unique ties. So uh, each school has its own tie design with different colours. And uh, what um, you find that people f who come from these elite circles, they tend to wear the old school tie that they had at school. And it's a way of showing that they belong to this school so they'd even still wear it as an adult sometimes. Or certainly, it's a style, you know, those diagonal striped ties. It's a kind of style of these posh kind of British gentlemen or whatever you want to say. Um, old school ties. Uh, you see images of the British Army, uh, the training process of the British Army and the sort of... Um, uh, discipline uh, and strictness that you'd expect from the British Army. Um, and... Um, uh, the, the, the world of privilege, the world of the privileged upper class and that sense of entitlement that they have and the sense that uh, the upper classes sometimes have a general disdain for the lower classes. And you can see that in the attitudes of the other uh, members of the Kingsman Training Academy uh, who are kind of all rich upper class uh, people and they sort of immediately take a dislike to Eggy, Eggsy in fact, who comes from a lower-class family. Um, so lots of those images. Um, 
lower class images that we see in the film. Also, we see the world of the council estates. A council estate is a um, a place uh, with lots and lots of um, apartments, lots of houses or apartments, and it's all paid for and built by the government. And they tend to be places where many, many people live in very close quarters with each other. One street with lots and lots of um, houses all gathered around the same street, and uh, they're occupied by people who are living on welfare, people who don't actually have any jobs, and so the government is providing them with the house, providing them with, with some money to live on. And they tend to be very rough, quite dangerous places, uh, there are some famous council estates around the country that are known for being, you know, uh, areas of high crime and so on. So you get some images of these council estates, life in these council estates. For me, the images of life in these council estates in this film are quite cliched. Um, they're sort of cliched images of, of what you expect from a council estate. You get pubs full of aggressive criminals, cockneys, young criminals and gang members, uh, petty crime, references to drugs, uh, scenes of alcohol, you know, um, alcohol, alcoholism, uh, fast cars, uh, domestic violence, uh, an irresponsible mum who's abused by a violent boyfriend, London grime music such as Dizzy Rascal. Grime music, it's a certain kind of dance music that originates, that originated in London, um, and it's a sort of uh, heavy uh, and uh, energetic and rough-sounding form of uh, dance music. I'm going to play some to you now, um, just to give you an idea um, of what uh, grime music, is like. In fact, this is a track that you will hear in the movie Kingsman, and it's by Dizzy Rascal. Um, this track actually came out about five years ago, um, but it's generally considered to be very typical of that kind of grime music that you might hear in a London council estate. Uh, now, I expect that many of you will really hate this music, but I'm just going to play about a minute of it to you, just so you get an idea of what I'm talking about. Okay, so this is Dizzy Rascal. The track is called Bonkers, and this is one of the songs that you might hear in the movie Kingsman. Here it is. Very fast. It's sort of fast and lively and a little bit uh, brass, brash. Listen to the lyrics. I wake up every day is a daydream. Everything in my life ain't what it seems. I wake up just to go back to sleep. I act real shallow, but I'm in too deep. And all I care about is sex and violence. A heavy baseline is my kind of silence. Everybody says that I gotta get a grip, but I let sanity give me the slip. Some people think I'm bonkers, but I just think I'm free. And I'm just living my life, there's nothing crazy about me. Some people pay for thrills, but I get mine for free. Man, I'm just living my life, there's nothing crazy about me. Bonkers. Okay, that's Dizzy Rascal with Bonkers. By the way, Bonkers means crazy, all right? All right, I think that's enough of that. There's probably many of you listening to this thinking, make it stop, please, make it stop. Well, anyway, I just wanted to give you an idea of what uh, grime music is like. And that's, as I said, music that you will hear in the film Kingsman. Um, now, I found that it's not the best uh, representation of... Uh, like youth subculture or youth life in London. I found it to be a bit cliched. It's just full of the sort of normal cliches that you might expect from 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 uh, those sorts of things. Um, a better version for me is the movie Attack the Block, uh, which is a lesser known film. It's a science fiction film set in the UK. Um, and basically in, in Attack the Block, um, aliens crash land on Earth and they happen to land in the wrong place. They land in the middle of a, a very rough council estate in South London. The sort of council estate that isn't, isn't normally featured in movies. And the characters in the council estate, they're young kids who live, you know, they're young, rough, petty criminals. And the aliens land in the council estate. And then it's like 
the uh, the council estate versus the aliens. It's really fun and entertaining. And the thing I like about it is it puts these kids as the heroes of the movie, which is quite unusual. Normally they're sort of objectified as criminals and or dangerous elements of society. There's, you know, that kind of thing. But it's this film doesn't make a comment about them. It's just it just puts them in the movie and we just get to know them on a more normal level and uh the the script of the movie was pr- um was written uh with the help of many kids like this in fact the guy who made the film um joe cornish from adam and joe he uh, he went to um like youth clubs and stuff and he worked with the kids that he met in the youth clubs and he helped them he he got them to help him write the script so it's full of really authentic dialect you know the the dialogue is full of the right kind of slang all this this the the proper accent that you would expect from uh, kids on a council estate in south london here's a little clip from attack the block uh, this is when uh, the, a gang of the kids have um, discovered uh, one of the alien spacecraft that's landed uh, in the park opposite their um, their uh, building, and they go and investigate it. And what I'd like you to listen to here is just listen to their listen to their voices, listen to their accents, and listen to the dialect. You might not understand everything. I can't go into it all now. But I just want to allow you to listen to it a little bit. This is what kids in council estates in South London sound like. I'm meeting you. For real? Aye, loads came down, innit? You've got to take them all out. You've got to catch them all. Calm down, pigs. This ain't Pokemon. Yo, shine the light. So they're, they're looking at a crashed spacecraft uh they don't know what it is they know that it's uh, from outer space they think it's related to an alien they're just investigating it like a fossil in it no that's different that ain't even the same thing that looks triple the science blend i to see the brother who's gonna fight that are you man right now i feel like going home locking my door and playing fifa Hey, what was that? Hold on. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Stay, stay. There. Holy fuck. Where from where? On top of the tower. Which tower? And you get contacts in, bruv. Look. Okay, so that's just a little clip from Attack the Block. Just to give you an idea of another film, which for me represents sort of urban youth culture slightly better than, than uh, Kingsman. Um, and um, so, all in all, there you go. That's what I thought. Oh, I just wanted to mention Samuel L. Jackson, who we know and love from other films. I wasn't that impressed by him in this film. I felt like he was phoning in his performance. Now, if you phone something in, for example, if you phone in a performance, like phone meaning telephone, uh, it means that you you don't really put your heart and soul into it. You're just sort of going through the motions. I got the impression that Samuel L. Jackson wasn't trying very hard. He wasn't fully involved in his role. In fact, the only thing that he did was he kind of affected a lisp you know, a lisp is when you speak like this with a with a with a sound. You can't make an s sound properly. So he speaks with a lisp. That seems to be the only um, sort of personality trait that he added into his character. That was it. It's like, okay, I'm going to make my character speak with a lisp, and then that's and that's it. Is that how deep his preparation was? It's like, okay, Samuel, what are you going to do for this role? How have you prepared? Well, I th- I think I'm just going to use a lisp. Really, that's it. Yep, I'm just going to speak with a lisp. Okay, then. <laughs> Fine. Uh, you're not going to get an Oscar for that one. Um, so there you go, Dong Sik and all the other listeners. Um, that's my uh, review, my slightly chaotic review of uh, Kingsman, The Secret Service. You will find uh, a link to uh, the trailer for that film on the website uh, for this uh, episode the website for this for the page for this episode all right i'm now going to stop recording this and i'm going to go and lie down (laughs) so that i can uh, just get a grip on myself that sounded weird
I'm going to lie down so I can get a grip on myself. That's not as rude as it should, you know, I didn't mean that to sound as rude as it sh- as it did. What I mean is I'm just going to relax uh, and just calm down because, you know, I get myself into, I get into a slightly excited state when I'm talking about films on the podcast, you know, because I enjoy doing it. Thanks very much for listening. And um, that's it for this episode. I'll speak to you again soon in some way. Don't forget to leave your comments on the website. Don't forget also to tell your friends about Luke's English Podcast. Um, And don't forget to check out that um, offer from audible.com. If you remember, uh, I said uh, at the beginning of this episode that you could check out uh, audibletrial.com forward slash teacher Luke. Go there in order to sign up for a free 30-day trial uh, in which you can download a free audiobook from audible.com. And audible.com have over 150,000 different titles. Um, there are so many books available. Go on to uh, go to audibletrial.com forward slash teacher Luke uh, and go through the process and you can download yourself a nice free um, audiobook. And if you're worried about being locked in to a contract with them, then don't worry, it is easy to cancel. Just, um, In fact, if you just go back to episode 200 and what? 250, uh, where is it? 200, and, the one about reading books. I, go, I went through um, the process in some detail. 256, reading books in English. You can actually read a text on exactly how to cancel your membership. But um, you can sign up to uh, audibletrial.com uh, forward slash teacher Luke. There are, there are pictures on the website that you can click. They'll take you there. And download your free audiobook. Audiobooks can be a really, really great way of um, getting loads and loads of English into your head, through your ears, to practice your listening. Okay, and typically audiobooks are much longer and they're like very, very well written. There are some classic titles on there. Uh, so you can get like a, probably about 10 hours, 20 hours, 30 hours of free listening. Um, check it out. I mean, what are you interested in? You're interested in Sherlock Holmes? You're interested in James Bond stories? They'll all be there. Check it out. Audibletrial.com forward slash teacher Luke for your free audiobook download. Uh, that's the end of this episode. Uh, speak to you again soon but for now it's bye 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 bye. thanks again for listening to luke's english podcast for more information visit teacherluke.co.uk cool fact a crocodile can't stick out its tongue also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. If you enjoyed this episode of Luke's English Podcast, consider signing up for Luke's English Podcast Premium. You'll get regular premium episodes with stories, vocabulary, grammar, and pronunciation teaching from me, and the usual moments of humour and fun. Plus, with your subscription, you will be directly supporting my work and making this whole podcast project possible. For more information about Luke's English Podcast Premium, go to teacherluke.co.uk slash premium info.